Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was across 110th Street from Bobby Womack. Nice start to the programme here. Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Good morning and thank you very much for joining me for another edition of the show where we bring you the people who are shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today is none other than Chris Wright. He is the co-founder of the Chrysalis Group, music, publishing, lots of other things as well, and is still the chairman of BMG Chrysalis and Chrysalis Vision. You will be hearing lots of fantastic stories from Chris very shortly. In addition to hearing from him, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mish Gondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all that, of course, some brilliant music from the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, including Ella Fitzgerald, Benny King, and this from Dexter Gordon here on Jazz FM. That was Dexter Gordon, and I hear music. He, of course, is the late American tenor saxophonist. This is Jazz Shapers, as I said earlier, and my guest today is Chris Wright, the co-founder of Chrysalis, the Chrysalis Group, the Chrysalis Media Empire, and, as I said, also the chairman of BMG Chrysalis and Chrysalis Vision, of which we'll be hearing lots. Chris, thank you very much for joining me. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Chris, one of the first jobs you had, even while you were at school, was the fact you were a part-time reporter, journalist. I was. I always wanted to be a journalist. That was what I decided was going to be my career path. But uh, I got diverted along the way somewhere. But, you know, journalism, I would have been very happy if that's where I'd ended up. Unusually for someone who has become one of the great entrepreneurs um, of the last sort of three or four decades, you got a degree. That's a very unusual thing for a for a, a person who then goes on to build an empire. If, uh, of, well, of... I suppose I mean some do, some don't. I know some people didn't bother going to university, and you know Richard Branson, who was always a bit of a nemesis, he never went to university. But I did. Yes, I got a degree. I the, I I then went on to Manchester Business School, uh, where I didn't get a, a business diploma. So if you want me to fail at something academically it's that they didn't give me a business diploma from the Manchester Business School. Any particular reason? I didn't turn up for very many of the lessons. <laughs> you were too busy organising gigs? I was too busy organising gigs and I didn't think it was going to matter because I thought I'd always bask it like I normally did to pass the exams but I think they took a bit of a dim view that I'd, I'd taken such a cavalier attitude to the studies that they decided that the right thing to do was to make sure I didn't pass. Now obviously you knew you loved your music then People that love music, and there are plenty of people listening that love music, don't necessarily make a, a profession out of it. Very early on in, in your life, and again in your sort of 18, 19, 20-year-old time, you had obviously made that decision that this was going to be where you plied your trade. Well, actually, I mean, to, to be honest, I never thought I could make a career out of music. I didn't actually decide that's what I was going to do. I was running a, uh, 
jazz and blues club in Manchester called the J&J Club one night a week for students. I was all, all organising all the entertainment at the university and I perpetuated that after my degree course by getting the, the, the position at the Manchester Business School, which gave me one more year of doing that. But when I finished the, the Manchester Business School, I just assumed I, that that was my days of, uh, of fun were over and I was going to have to go and get a proper job. I had no idea that I could make a, a living and a career out of being involved with music. It, it wasn't something that happened and it only happened by, by chance. And tell me about the chance. How did that suddenly come about that the, the man or the young man who really liked his music ended up setting up a business? Well... I had no idea what, what job I was going to do, so I applied for so many different jobs that I, I, lost, ca- I lost track of what job was what. And I went for a job in London, where, which I thought was an advertising agency, but it was actually a, a, a steel import and export company. <laughs> and I was getting into such a mess over it. But actually, the, steel, the guy that ran the steel import and export company, that was an Eastern European chap... Uh, said, uh, Mr. Wright, uh, do you want to go to America? And I said, well, that sounds great. I'd love to go to America. And he's, he told me that they were recruiting someone to work in their American office, and he wanted to put me forward to do that. And I thought, God, that's an amazing opportunity, but do I really do I want to do this? And I just got on the train back to Manchester, went for a drink in, in the pub where I ran into some mates that ran a, a, an agency, like a rock group agency there. And they said, oh, hi, Chris, I haven't seen you for a while. What's up? You know, and I said, well, I've been offered this chance to go to America, but I don't know if I want to do it. And this, and the guy said, well, look, you know, you know, all universities, you know, how to, you know what music they like. I'll give you an office and a phone. You come in Monday morning and start organizing some of these other universities to book groups from us. And I, he said, I won't pay you anything, but I'll give you a commission on what you sell. So I thought, oh, OK, I'll do that then. So I just turned up on the Monday morning with a phone and a desk and started calling around social secretaries saying, who have you got coming, you know, and, and who can I help you get? And that's how multi-million pound businesses begin. Stay with me for much more from Chris Wright, my business shaper. Time for some music. This is Ella Fitzgerald and Sunshine of Your Love, a cover, of course, of the 60s classic from Cream. That was Ella Fitzgerald and Sunshine of Your Love. Chris Wright is my business shaper today. He is the co-founder of Chrysalis Records. I'm going to jump forward a little bit. Give me your favourite bands that you've ever signed, just to give a flavour for those of um, people listening that aren't familiar with Chrysalis Records. I mean, well, you know, we started with 10 years after. You know, they were a fantastic, fantastic group. Uh, stars of the Woodstock Festival, you know, huge, huge band in in America, in San Francisco, New York, everywhere. Jethro Tull that are still going. I mean, you know, wonderful group, very innovative artist. Uh, Procol Harum that were just magic to be around. You know, vastly underrated group that were so much better than the perception of people that they only had one hit because they had hundreds of, of great songs. And then, of course, you know, maybe the days of Leo Sayer were... Blondie, uh, Billy Idol and uh, Spandau Ballet and Ultravox and Pat Benatar, Huey Lewis and the News, great bunch of guys, uh, 
you know, God, who have I missed out? There's uh, loads of them. Probably loads. But the, 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 the specials, we can't forget the specials. The specials as well. they, were, they were, and the Water Boys, and, you know, Mike Scott, Sinead O'Connor. So, so that, I mean, all of those incredible artists that you just laid down before us. There's a knack, there must be, and people talk about the A&R person in the business, about the commercial person. At that point, and I'm going to go back now to when you then started this business, you were booking bands for, for universities. You obviously had a knack, you obviously had an ear. Is that true? Is that fair? Well, yeah, obviously I didn't really... I don't know if I felt that at the time, but I clearly did. Uh, I think I, I think I really did have an ear for what was good. I think I was able to... Uh, analyze a group and feel what was working. I think I probably understood the relationship with an artist with the audience and I saw the bits that worked and the bits that didn't work. I was always involved in helping groups do their, you know, the set lists and, and picking the right songs, picking the songs that would be the, the right tracks to be the album title, picking the songs that could be the singles off the album. You know, and just turning down groups if you didn't think they had the right component. But you're never going to be 100% right. But you know that really is the business that that I've always been in is being able to you know assess the the talent of somebody and to be able to communicate with that person and to be able to be the the vehicle through whom they get that that talent and that music across to the the public now when you then this business starts to develop and we're going to obviously truncate the the work and the craft and the mm. the ups and the downs of a number of years but you built chrysalis records from what i believe was the ellis Wright agency and renamed a year later the chrysalis records you built that business together with your partner um terry ellis at that time into a multi-million pound business did you ever did you do it to sell it? Did you do it because you loved it? Did you always have an eye on this is going to make me money or is money a byproduct of the fact that you love what you, you do? You never thought for one minute about the money. Really though? Not that- for one minute. You never we you know it was never it was never it was never something that I want that I expected to make any money out of. It was something that I would have done if I could have afforded to have if I'd have had to have paid to do it and I had a and I had the wherewithal to have been able to pay to do it I would have done it for that it was just something that I did lived eat slept breathed 24 hours a day seven days a week no holidays no weekends no nothing because it was my life I just loved it I loved everything about it that's all I wanted to do you never thought you'd make any money out of it it didn't work like that says Chris Wright, who made a fair amount of money from the business that he loved. Much more coming up from Chris. Stay with us, though, now for the latest traffic and travel, which is coming up in a couple of minutes. But before that, some choice words of wisdom for your business from programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hello, my name is Derville Walsh. I'm a partner in the contentious banking and finance practice at Mishkondorea. It is certainly the case that it is good if customers have relationships where they can pick up the phone to their bank manager or the relationship manager and agree something over the phone. But a customer must never lose sight of the fact that the relationship is a professional relationship. And if the bank has given an undertaking or made a promise of some description, it's absolutely critical that the customer makes a contemporaneous note of that. And in fact, it's probably sensible and prudent to just send a summary email. It was very useful to have our discussion today just to confirm my understanding is that we have agreed X. The reason for this is that if two or three months down the line there is dispute and the bank or the financial institution tries to do a U-turn, the customer can produce the document and that should determine the position and that should put an end to the matter. 
Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, 9 till 10, I get to meet a giant from the world of business, a business shaper. You can catch all of them on iTunes. They're all in there, over 100 of them now. Or if you happen to be flying on a British Airways flight in the near future, you can go and find us over there as well. And of course, cityam.com as well. Chris Wright is my business shaper today, and he's been talking about the business that he loves that happened to have made him quite a lot of money. You sold Chrysalis Records back in 1991. Seems like an eternity ago. You kept hold of the uh, the publishing business as well. You then um, started to do other things, Chris. You you, you built yourself into mm. other parts of the business. When did that start to well grow in your mind as an idea beyond the music? Really, the music? up until 1991, I was 100% focused on the record business. It was it was all I did. When we sold the Chrysalis label to EMI in two parts the first half in 89, the second half in 91. It was intended to be a 10-year deal, but it lasted two years. So as part of the sale, I was banned from being in the record business for three years. Uh, that was that was part of the deal. So I had to find other things to do. Well, fortunately, I'd kept the music publishing company, so I threw myself into that. But I wanted to do other things. So, you know, we moved into television production where we were incredibly successful and also into uh, d- developing and owning radio stations, which we also built into being one of the largest three radio station groups in the UK. We did other things as well, maybe not quite so successfully like book publishing and so forth. But the two big things that we did so successfully in addition to the music side were TV production and uh, radio stations. And and why were they successful? Because often people say, well, if you're an expert in the music industry, it doesn't make you an expert in the TV business or the the radio business. Of course, there's the big, the the fact that their media business is one thing, but they're very different, aren't they? Well, they are very different. I think on the radio side, I think because I was an expert on music I felt that I would have a lot to add to the radio station side although I have to admit actually at the end of the day it wasn't very much to do with my knowledge of music that we did well it was probably to do with the fact that that I managed to put together a very good management team and uh, we 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 developed some really great radio stations like Heart in London and Heart in the Midlands and even for a while we owned LBC in London as well uh In terms of the TV production side, I think I was much more involved creatively there uh, because on the TV side, one had to work with with creative talent, producers and uh, actors and directors and so forth. And I felt that as I got a bit older, maybe my finger on the button musically was beginning to get a little bit worn, but I was able to translate that also to dealing with with the people that worked in in producing TV programmes. So the dynamic of a of a sound commercial person who understands the creative mind, whether it's a TV person or radio person or music person, is sort of at the centre maybe of. What... I couldn't have put it better myself. That's exactly the, the, the nub of the, of the issue. Time for some music. This is Benny King and Stand by Me. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't 
That was Benny King and Stan by me here on Jazz Shapers. Chris Wright is my business shaper. Chris, we've been talking about lots of things. You've written a book. It got published last October. One way or another, I've read bits of it. I've looked at the pictures because that's what I always do. Can't help myself. One with you uh, proudly outside. I think it was uh, Buckingham Palace, I think, at some point or somewhere. Lots of lots of famous people around you. Maybe it wasn't Buckingham Palace, but it looked similar. <laughs> yeah, could have um, been. Could have been. You talk about people in your life that have had an impact on you um and it strikes me um that you quite admire forthright people you prefer to know where you stand is that a fair comment well it's interesting that you say that i i've never said that myself uh but actually a lot of people say that i'm a very forthright person and that i can be i mean amazingly some people are quite frightened of me because they say i'm very forthright and very opinionated and so forth and i Actually, I think that's probably true. And I think I do try and dominate conversations and explain what I think the, the, the situation really is. And I think people do get maybe a little bit upset at times and a bit intimidated by me doing that. So the fact that you say I like forthright people, I probably do because I'm probably forthright myself. Well, you, you, the reason I mention it is because one of the comments you make about Warren Gatland, who was the coach of Wasps when you owned Wasps, and indeed you've owned Queen's Park Rangers as well, talking about living the dream. You buy a sports, you buy a sports club, fantastic. Um, and you mention it there, and it just struck me that your book is very straight. You're very honest about your own personal life as well, which people often aren't. You don't dress it up. You say, I wasn't there for a lot of the times for my kids and all that other thing. But you, it looks like you have very healthy relationships with your family. So that honesty, again, stands you in good stead. Do you think there's a lack of honesty in business on the whole? I don't mean dishonesty in the sense of fraudulent things. I mean, people actually being truthful about what they really think well, they want to do. There's probably a lack of honesty in the world as a whole. I've always felt that honesty is the best policy. You know, if you're in trouble, if in doubt, whatever, just tell the truth. You get you get a lot more brownie points for telling the truth, even if you say, "Look, I screwed up. I know I should have done that, and I didn't do it." You can you you know, but you know, in order to make it right, what we're going to do is this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and that's much better than trying to pretend that you didn't screw up mm. and that everything was fine. I'm a great believer in just being absolutely honest about things. And I'm, I don't think everybody sees it that way. I don't know if I'm a good liar. Some people are very good liars and get away with it. Um, I don't, I tend not to lie a lot. And mm. in terms of the book, I tried to, to make the book as readable and as interesting as possible. And I've had to throw in quite a few things to do that, that, you know, maybe in hindsight, I wish I hadn't done because they're a little bit too telling and like bear the, bear the, the skin a little bit too much. But that's what I chose to do. And unfortunately, that's probably just me. We'll have our final chat with Chris today, plus play a track from soul great Irma Thomas. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. was Irma Thomas and anyone who knows what love is will understand. Chris Wright is my business shaper just for a few more precious minutes. One of the other things, Chris, that um, people often are intrigued by, especially you, you've, you've kind of gone again and you've gone again, is your nous commercially. 
there's a passage in the book where you talk about the deal you're trying to do to sell the, the radio stations and you're basically saying they were probably worth in excess of 200 million but actually the market was inflated and the truth was the board turned down and offered for 225 and we probably should have taken it again that's obviously experience talking but is there a sense of something innate to someone like you that you can't teach well, I think people always thought that that uh, you know my my big talent was having a gut feeling for things, and I guess you can't teach gut feelings. And if you've got a gut feeling about a great guitar solo or a great piece of music, you know you can have a gut feeling too about other things, like a gut feeling about a football player that that you might or might not sign, or a rugby player that we might or might not have signed. And the same thing can be true for 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 deals. You know, you can feel if you're closely uh, closely enough involved with something that if a business is valued at a certain price, and you think, well, actually the fundamentals just aren't there. You know. My gut feeling is that if we really tried to sell it for the price that people think it's worth, we genuinely wouldn't be able to. Mm. And I've always gone on gut feeling. I think as businesses grow and get bigger, then with the stock market involved and public companies, people introduce levels of, of management control and all of that kind of thing that stops you having a gut feeling. And most of the great successful things that I did very early in, in my business career, you couldn't do later because you would have to answer to other people that would want to know why you did something and where were all the checks and had you really found out that you could sell that for what you thought you could sell it for and so forth. Well, you know, my, my whole life couldn't work on that basis. It's a record company in those days couldn't work on that basis. You'd throw you'd throw a million or two, at a, you know, a bunch of guys with long hair that could or could not play the guitar, you know, and, and write songs, and hopefully, you know, you get the money back. But of course, now in 2014, you know, this was 20 years ago. Business, and especially the music business, has become far more regulated, far more constrained. Obviously, there are massive challenges with the availability of music online and, and other well, places. I mean, that, that, what, what, that, what's what's going on, and what would you do right now if you were? 20 years younger and it was your business again yeah I think I think that's right but do you think the music's any better for it of course it's not you know the music is much more formatted you know a lot of stuff coming out of talent shows where people are just just programmed to do what what they're told to do you know that the the, the the true talent always has come from the more independent companies and if you're looking for something that's been a great success completely different from all of the kind of formatted things that that we that we that were rammed down our throats you've got someone like Adele comes from an independent record company if Adele had been around in a big company would it would she have happened like she had probably not if you're in, in in the independent sector and you believe in a talent you can spend your you can spend your money devoting it to developing and breaking that talent and ultimately if you're right you'll be successful and you'll reap the rewards for it but so often now in record companies if an artist doesn't make it on their first album you know their history because you're already looking at half a million or a million pounds of investment down the drain and somebody in a suit's going to say well that's got to go but if you look at all of the major artists in all genres of music over the years and you tell me how many of those broke on their first album virtually none bob dylan did he break on his first album no the pink floyd did they the major major artists did not break big on their first album they developed their career and nowadays you know people are used to disposable music if you don't happen on the first album you're gone looking forward briefly before i ask you what your song choice is what do you want the industry to be like and what role will you be playing in it well i think 
I think the I'd like the industry to go back to where it was, of course, but then you know nothing goes back to where it was. But I do think there will be a reaction at some point to the 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 the, the talent show type of music because people are beginning to see through it. They're beginning to see through it as just being being a device to sell to sell records to make money. That the artists don't sustain their careers. They're not really what they're what they're said to be. You know, the judges all sit there saying, "You've got the greatest voice in the history of the world. You're going to be the biggest star in the world. You're absolutely fantastic. You made that song your own," which they say like ten times every show. Well, the reality is that these people aren't like that. And six months later, you've forgotten about. Them. Whereas with the great artists, 50 years later, you're still playing the music and the music is just as valid and vibrant today as it was 50 years ago. Why? Because, you know, they were seriously great creative talents that wrote great songs that played their instruments incredibly well that combined with other musicians to create a sound that was that was unique and distinctive and had long lasting value to it so your vision is really great creative talent please and more of it and let's make let's make some let's really bring real talent to the fore and continue to do so absolutely okay just before i let you go then chris and you've been fantastically insightful about about what you've been doing what is your song choice and why have you chosen it I am choosing a song 10 years after the the group I first started off with, with Woodchopper's Ball, which is a Woody Herman number. It's a jazz number. And Alvin Lee, the guitarist who very, very sadly died last year, was alongside Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck and, uh, you know, Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix and so forth, one of the great guitarists. But actually, in the case of Alvin, I think Alvin technically was probably the best of them all. And if you listen to him doing Woodchopper's Ball and you try and think which other guitarist could play that well, that that fast and that brilliantly, you struggle to find someone. So this is for Alvin. Long may he rest in peace. He was so fundamental to me starting off and this is him almost at his best. That was the Woodchopper's Ball Live from 10 years after. The song choice of Chris Wright, my business shaper today. He indeed even signed 10 years after. A man who loved what he did so much and didn't even feel like work. And boy, did the money follow. Open to a fault and someone who absolutely believed that in business you've got to trust your gut. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, do stay with us here on Jazz FM. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Elliot Moss every Saturday morning from 9am sharp for Jazz Shapers, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz soul. It's alongside a business shaper. My business shaper this week is Chris Wright, the co-founder of the Chrysalis Group and chairman of BMG Chrysalis as well as Chrysalis Vision. Find out how the part-time reporter when he was at school became the man who booked bands for universities and then created one of the most famous record labels in this country.
That was the Woodchopper's Ball live from 10 years after. The song choice of Chris Wright, my business shaper today. He indeed even signed 10 years after. A man who loved what he did so much it didn't even feel like work and boy did the money follow. Open to a fault and someone who absolutely believed that in business you've got to trust your gut. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, do stay with us here on Jazz FM. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.